Hi, how are you? I am pretty good. We're recording on like a pretty balmy, nice day in yeah in June. Yeah. Are you planning to hit the beach tomorrow at all or anything or no? I have never been to a beach in New York and like I kind of want to. Um, well, it's like I think I've been to I think all but one of them. There's like one out in Queens I haven't gone to. Uh-huh. But I kind of love all of them for different qualities. So like Coney Island is like grimy, right? But the way I feel about Coney Island is how people feel about like maintaining a certain amount of rust on an old car. Like the rust is kind of holding it together. And like once a year I go to Coney just to have like a dirt dip. It's like my own terrible pseudoscience that definitely is going to get me an infection someday. But I love Coney. Coney's a ton of fun. But I would say my personal favorite is um, Fort Tilden. Mm, I've never heard of that. Oh, my God. It's Well, the thing is, is that it's not off of a train. So you either have to bike there or like take a bus or borrow someone's car. But it the only rule they have there is no glass containers and it's not patrolled by cops it's <gasps> patrolled by like park rangers on horseback <laughs> who are like the chillest basically like the chillest high school principal you can have of just kind of like hey man i don't want to write you a ticket can you just uh get a cup oh <laughs> That's my God. It. it's the best because it was also it was the gay beach for a long time uh-huh so like it I mean, like, it's slowly kind of changing as everything does and is, but it's still kind of primarily known as, like, the cool gay beach where you can smoke weed. And, like, it's also top, like, super, like, kind of the topless area. So it's just kind of nice. Like, I really love Fort Tilden so much. But, like, Rockaway is really fun, too. They're all good. They're all, like, shockingly good beaches because Mm. people don't expect them to be. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, you should come with sometime. Yeah, I would love to go on a beach adventure. Yeah, I don't think uh yeah, no, let's do it. Uh <laughs> cuz I haven't like we haven't hung out in a while unless this counts. This only kind of counts and like honestly, that's like the secret hidden reason for doing the show is to like talk to people that I otherwise like don't get to talk to that often. <laughs> and like I say get to, but like I don't know. This is like not exactly an interesting or novel observation, but like living in New York, it's like everyone, so many people that I know live here. And it's like you can never have time to like see everyone that you want to, which sucks. Um, Yeah, definitely. I'm like, um, yeah, this kind of counts. But like Beach would count for like four podcasts, at least, I think (laughs) that's the equivalent. That's the exchange rate. Yeah, if we go to the Gay Weed Beach, it's like six, I think. Gay Weed Beach. Gay <laughs> Weed Beach. <laughs> um, but yeah, what are your, uh, are you like, because like the other thing is, is that like I'll invite people to the beach and they'll be like, sorry, I'm not a beach person. That is a thing, though. Um, I don't know. I would love to. Okay, here's my thing. Um, and I've been talking about this a lot with people lately, especially in connection with like, because it's. We're recording this in June. I think it might come out in the beginning of July, but um, so June, we're in the middle of Pride Month, and um, 
I'm not a parade person and not because I don't like crowds, not because I don't like celebrations, but because I don't like being in the standing in the sun. Um, and, I don't blame you. And getting hot and worrying about my skin. Um, and I love a good beach if there is shade or like an umbrella or something where I can just mm. be like warm and like feel the air on me. I won't really go into the water so much, but I will be on the beach. I will have a beer. I will read a book. So you might be more of like a lake person. I am. Although actually, you know, I like the beach more because the lake feels more like outside and I try to, no, I don't, (laughs) I don't try to avoid outside, but the lake, you know, I associate lakes with like growing up because like my family had a cottage um, in Northern Ontario or like central Ontario, I guess. But, um, and a lot of bugs, you know, a lot of mosquitoes, a lot of horse flies, deer flies, uh, goat flies, llama flies. Um, and uh, I don't love being bitten by things. Um, I don't blame you for that one. So I do like the idea of the beach. I just need to invest in like a good transportable umbrella. I have a big fucker umbrella. It's called like a sport umbrella, I think. And it's essentially like a lean uh, like a huge portable lean to <laughs> like it's it's this huge umbrella and it's a pain in the butt to bring to the beach but it's super worth it because it's like for the people who need shade or want sh- shade that's like the perfect thing can i tell you my ideal beach experience it's like yes a cartoon where like you pack a huge umbrella and a big beach ball and like a cooler and like folding chairs into the back of a jalopy like uh or jalopy i guess um like uh, <laughs> i never know how to pronounce that word yeah we'll cut that out um like in like an archie comic and then you like go to the beach and everyone takes all their stuff out and then you're doing like the the dance where you like put your thumbs up and like go up and down for like 20 seconds and then i like stop and then i'm just like reading for like the next three hours <laughs> um, but it's it's integral to the whole aesthetic that you have all this stuff crammed into the back of a shitty car um and then you like pull it all out yeah, and it like it opens and like the sh- the the back of like this shitty car is like Mary Poppins's purse. The umbrella like, pops so out. So yeah. much in there. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Ugh, ugh. The dream. But the dream. What uh, are you like? I mean, like everybody hates humidity, which is the main downside to living in New York State. Is that it gets pretty humid here like more than people expect i think well that's what they say gets you you know it's not yeah. the heat they always say that it's the humidity um and i kind of grew up with that so i'm kind of used to it i do still hate it i hate yeah because like my hair is like really thick and um wavy and like when i go outside it's like i have been flat ironing my hair all winter and spring and now when i go outside it's just like Oh, man, I basically just have to like put it up every day or it'll just be literally everywhere. Oh, yeah, I have my hair is not thick. I have a lot of hair, but it's baby thin because I've never dyed it, Um, which is a weird thing, Uh, especially like, you know, I think I did sun in when I was in the seventh grade, but like I've never dyed my hair. So Mm -hmm. it still has a lot of that, like. I guess virgin hair is probably the correct phrasing um, quality. So it just gets huge 
in humidity, like the biggest hair possible. But I like it. <laughs> I don't mind it. I hate sweating, though, because I do Ooh, a lot of it. I'm not yeah. a big. I don't love it. And like, I don't sweat easily. But when I do start to sweat, I'm just like, this is how I know that things are getting bad. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I sweat pretty horrifically from like the top of my skull. I don't <laughs> pit out super like a ton. Okay. But my dad does because God bless my dad. He, um, didn't wear, we had to, my mom had to like talk him into wearing deodorant for a long time because I don't know where he got this notion. Cause he's usually, he's like a smart analytical guy. He's like politically pretty much on my level. Um, but he didn't wear deodorant for oh, a long can I guess, time. Can I guess why? Yes. Guess. Uh, wait, I have one reason. And then I have like a second more improbable one. Um, okay. My first reason is something to do with aluminum. No, no. Okay, wait. Okay, okay. Here's my other one then. It's not as manly. No, neither. Um, he. The reason was is that my mom was buying antiperspirant, and he didn't want to not sweat because he's like it's unhealthy to not sweat. Like your body wants you to do that. Yeah. So like it was rooted in the logic, but it was still kind of crackpot science <laughs> i mean deodorant doesn't make you not sweat though yeah it's because he didn't it wasn't it wasn't deodorant in the home it was antiperspirant i see okay it was like she was making the underarm purchases not for the family. communicated distinction mm-hmm. um but it's just that's 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 why my dad didn't wear it for a long time I used to wear like men's deodorant as a kid. Oh yeah, like Old Spice yeah. or something. Uh, no, like Mitchum, oh. like roll-on Mitchum. That was like my first deodorant, like a Robert was... Mitchum. Yeah, yeah, because like so when like you know like the puberty talk happened at the end of elementary school, like we got the free samples of like mini deodorant, and my mom was like, <laughs> "Oh, we don't use that. We've had these girls." Like so the way she said it was like we were on a medic medication, but my mom was like, "We've had these girls on Mitchum for a while." <laughs> so funny. She's a, like she has a lot of really funny idiosyncrasies. Wow, that's something. We've had yeah. these girls on Mitchum for a while. We've had these girls on Mitchum for a while. It's like, oh, you know, I medicated my daughter since she was five and I've had her on Mitchum. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I, I actually don't know, like, cause you grew up in Canada, correct? That's correct. So did you, I actually, this is probably a very silly question because I assume it's similar serve similar stuff when you're in like the end of elementary school approaching mm-hmm. puberty but i actually don't know if this is true i assume when you were in like for the fourth or fifth grade you had like this special day in class where like you, somebody came in and told you how your bodies were going to change right or no um i think maybe like prom that is an american really? con- construction we didn't have prom either um we had health class which was probably marginally more inclusive and progressive than yours um, um probably we had health class in middle school and then we had to take it again in high school yeah same um but like 
And like I grew up in New York State, so I sort of had the fortunate angle of still being like of not being told like, oh, the only way to avoid this is to not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still like very regressive the way teenagers are talked to about this stuff. And like my big focus now in when I think back on like what I was taught about this and what I was taught about, you know, like rape culture and stuff is like the framing of all of that needs to be changed. But I think we had like a pretty, we had like a semi-progressive health class. I mean, there was definitely like some weird sort of like slut shaming inherent in it. Like Mm -hmm. I remember in middle school, they had all of the girls were forced to put their like name in a hat and whoever got their slip pulled had to put on this big pregnant suit and wear it for like an entire class. (laughs) And like, I'm convinced that the teachers rigged it. So they like put it on the slutty ones. Oh my God. (laughs) Right. Like, like that's a really fucked up thing to do to a middle schooler is like, be like, okay, uh, I know you barely know how this works like you still think you could probably get pregnant from your butt but like we're still going to put this pregnancy suit on you and have everyone stare at you for the rest of class holy shit that's fucking fucking wild it's weird (laughs) okay here is what i remember from health class um definitely in the all i remember from the middle school one is like it was taught by the gym teacher and he was like very uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know if it was like his first time doing it, but he was just like, I just remember like a very like awkward talk on his part where he was like talking about how he was glad that he didn't have to bleed. Um, oh but my like, God. but not in like a proud way in just like a, oh, women, yeah, women are so strong, you know, it's just like, I just, I don't. <sighs> I'm, I don't know. I, I don't, I, got, I couldn't like, do it. I couldn't do you it. You pull it like a scab? Huh? No, he was just like, I just can't imagine every month just like having to go through that. It's like <laughs> so strong. And if don't ever, no one ever make fun of that. Oh, if I don't. But it was like not like this. It wasn't in like a feminist way. It was in this very like weird, like he was very like uncomfortable with the idea. Um, And then in high school, the things that I remember, uh, condom banana. Definitely, oh, there, definitely there definitely there was a condom banana. Condom banana. Uh, oh my no, God. wait, actually, you know what? I don't think it was a banana. I think it was a like a dildo. Really? Yeah, like a very like subtle, like flesh tone, but like not um like no veins or anything. Um <laughs> so like kind of an abstract um phallus. And then definitely someone came into the class to talk about rape, um, which was like probably good although i don't know that like the messaging was like really on point yeah for like like, ninth graders the messaging really needs adjustment i think across the board yeah yeah it was a little weird um and then also we did that sharing game where you're like um i forget how it works but it's like supposed to illustrate that like when you fuck someone you're like fucking everyone they've ever fucked um, oh yeah and it's absolutely. like really like to scare you because of d- disease and stuff um uh-huh. which is like not great um i also this wasn't health class but i have a very very vivid reminder of having an assembly where someone came in to talk to us about drugs 
And like he was just it was described in this way of like the package arrives at school at 9 a.m. The package is then transferred. But the package was like a person and it was like a student who dies of like taking pot or something. Um, (laughs) And then it was like pot stays in your hippocampus for up to a month. It will melt your brain and you will die and you will be jumping out a window on PCP. Um, and it was just like, so like, even at the time I was like, this is a lot. This is like really <laughs> stupid. I remember we did dare. We had a lot of dare. <gasps> we didn't have like, dare. Oh man. Like there's a lot that's weird about like the American elementary school, like really? adolescent experience. This is the, I'm, I haven't heard about this. It's like pretty <laughs> unique, but like dare, I think is like my, my favorite gorilla song thing of like lore okay <laughs> of like american childhood and very specific american childhood um because uh let me look up the acronym for dare again i think don't I abuse um rare drug abuse resistance education okay well um and it had this like crazy cool logo i got that, a shirt that had the logo on it in the first year of college and i thought i was so fucking cool the thing is, is that you were super fucking cool right? um like like dare what what i love about dare is that it was a like one it was a massive failure mm-hmm it was a super, super massive failure. All it did was preemptively, essentially, all it did was preemptively tell kids about drugs. They didn't really need to know about <laughs> And it equated all drugs on the same level, mm-hmm. which like, maybe this is a bit of a hot take. Who knows? Probably not for the listeners of this show. But what it did was it equated like doing meth with smoking weed. Yeah. So. Like it wanted to scare you out of doing all of them. Right. But like as people who eventually became cool, we both know that you usually smoke weed at least at one point in your life. Mm -hmm. So what it did was it introduced this topic of this this mentality, I think, in a lot of kids who tried weed like maybe a little earlier um, that like, oh, okay, I've tried weed. So like. And I'm fine. So like, this is just as safe as everything else, which we kind of know to not be true. And the other thing is, is that since it had that super dope logo, I just remember the heyday of hardcore bands writing the name of their band in the Dare logo. And it's like, Mm -hmm. so It's like the Black Flag logo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was like the, like, I actually didn't realize that until we said this right now. The Dare logo going on to hardcore and like post-punk band shirts is absolutely the precursor to like Justin Bieber's name on a black flag shirt. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I love to work these things out in conversation. That's so important. (laughs) We need to. We need to. Yeah. Our history. It's a part of our heritage. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But like the Dare program it's also like very important. It was a massive failure. <laughs> now, massive was, was that a fir- was that a Barbara Bush thing? I believe it was out of the war on drugs. Let me look this. Up. So the war on drugs or kind of Nancy Reagan. With, it kind of started with Nancy Reagan, but it definitely was proliferated by Bush one. Okay. 
Yeah, neither of those. Okay, I'm looking at the wiki. It's yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's also they pledge to not use drugs. Yeah. Or gangs, which is <laughs> really funny. Wait, there's a mascot. Oh yeah, there's a bear. It's a lion, apparently. Oh, its it name used is to be a bear. Darren. I- yeah, I, I, there used to be a bear. I definitely had a dare bear at one point. Can I tell you something about this lion? Yeah. Kind of fuckable. <laughs> I haven't looked at the dare lion in a, while, in a while, but I believe it. The way dare, if they ever want to work, is to, like, appeal to adolescent furries. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like if you, this lion is only interested in, in, well, not in people, in people who don't do drugs. If you want to be cool and grow up to be like this lion or to like, you know, get down with this lion, you better not do drugs because. Yeah. What I love about that is the fact that there's like a fuckable dare lion is that like either somebody like didn't even consider it. And like just like accidentally made a hotline. Yeah. yeah. Or the preferred and beautiful version, which is that like at least four people in a room were like, all right, we have like the fugly lion, we have like, you know, the approachable hotline, we have the hotline, and then we have like the lion you want to fuck. And like they like deliberate how fuckable they want the lion to be. That's telling children not to huff paint. God. There's <laughs> Oh, my God. I always love thinking about, like, how many people really thought about this decision. Because there's, like, obviously, there's beautiful mistakes that happen daily. But, like, I really love thinking about the people who are, like, how sexy do we want to make the cartoon rabbit? Like, those are the funniest (gasps) conversations to me that I'm never going to get to hear. And those are... It's just, it's his, it's absolutely hysterical. Like, it's so funny. It's very good. Like, I don't know. There were definitely conversations around that with Zootopia. Ooh, I never saw that. I still, I heard it's a good movie, but I also heard it's kind of weirdly pro-cop. It's like not a good movie, I don't think. Um, okay. It was really boring. I mean, it's a kid's movie, right? I, c- I can't movie. go to a kid's movie and be like, this is boring. But, um... It is pro cop. It has like a very heavy handed like message about difference. Um, except that like the difference is like one there's like predators and like prey animals, which is kind of weird. Um, and yeah, the best thing that came, came out of Zootopia was that comic where Judy Hopps is pregnant and like the fox man is like, Judy, I'm begging you, let this child have a chance at life. Don't get an abortion. <laughs> if my mother had aborted me, we would never have met. Um, that's the best thing that's come out of Zootopia. I absolutely love that sort of I like ge- like obviously like there's the funny stuff that comes out of it, but I genuinely love this that the like ever growing community of furry fan art. And like I've talked about this before. I remember a couple years ago, it was a lot like, you know, cooler in in on the joke to make fun of furries and fursonas and stuff. And then I dated someone who is actually the reason you and I know each other. Who Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um and he and I are good friends. Hi Sam Alden. Um but he basically one time like very concernedly was like I really hate jokes making fun of furries because like 
you're eventually going to become a racist grandpa with that. And initially, <laughs> I like kind of giggled at him, but he's right. He's completely right. I mean, like, it's like definitely not like I I think most <laughs> of my friends who are furries would not be like, this is the same. It's like oppression. Like, but but the interesting thing about it is like I've heard pretty convincing arguments that this was like, especially on like 4chan culture was like an acceptable way. Basically, well, 4chan doesn't care about acceptability, but among in certain crowds, it it's a way to sort of fag bash without actually talking about queer people to just be Ooh, like to be yeah, like that's... oh fucking furries like, no it's absolutely and stuff. Like, that and like i don't think it's i don't he wasn't equating it with like systemic racial oppression but he was saying like you know it's kind of like when a grandpa it's kind of like when like you know a racist uncle or grandpa says like queer or any ickier words that are not mine to say but like he he had a really good point and it absolutely changed my worldview uh, it, not my world it absolutely changed my view on that and like how i was doing that because like i genuinely feel my 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 take on furries is that like for what i love about like furries and what i see of furry culture is like they are ultimately above all else else like committed to roasting what they loved and their identity <laughs> yeah. and like i think that says a lot of like a subculture that has been the easiest number one joke on the internet since basically the beginning of the internet mm -hmm. and the fact that you can still maintain a sense of humor about yourself and like what you love and what you like to do i think that says so much of like your like of, of who you are and like your sense of self-worth like that's so cool i love it i love it i think it's, it's so best. great i have so many close friends who are furries um and like i've never been to a con but i've wanted to for years and years because they just sound so much fun um and do you know oh i i will say like like any other community it is like very um varied for better or worse uh did you know that there are nazi furries Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And Nazi I, furs, I, yeah, like Nazi furs like that. It also again, it really sucks that like, yeah, people there, there are Nazi furries that sucks. But. Furries they, roast the fuck out of them and it's furries so roast the fuck out of them for other furries don't deserve to like deal with the brunt of like, hey, there are Nazi furries. So yeah, fuck absolutely. all of you. Yeah, there's. No. Re plenty of regular white nazis and i usually don't have to apologize for them so that's <laughs> bullshit that's right, bullshit yeah. <laughs> that is like my hot take and i don't think it's that hot of a take <laughs> it's like a it's a mild take it's a yeah, mild you know, taco like, take yeah that's just like i like i don't know i will be a furry ally <laughs> yeah absolutely Look, i mean like to go back to the puberty question like we all watched robin hood at a certain Ooh, time ha, and we're like ha, oh ha, man ha, what ha, is ha. going on with that Damn, they made that fox so sexy what were they doing well like also i don't know the beast was hotter before he turned back into a man literally everyone thinks that if you yeah, think that i think you're like i think like, <laughs> um <laughs> i think if you think um that the beast is hotter as a man then you need to be like examined you are um, a disgusting pervert even okay so in like in um 
Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast from uh, the 40s, Greta Garbo, when she first saw it, she allegedly cried out at the end of the movie when he transforms back into a man. She was like, give me back my beast. <laughs> Did you see the terrible, like, Live action? 101 Emma Watson remake? No, God, no. There is. I know that uh, Gaston's, like, footstool is gay, though. Uh, So it's, like... I it's a movie I hated so much I watched it two times in a row if that <laughs> makes sense because it's like they it like they tried to do the same thing they did with Les Miserables where like it looks like it's shot on the set of a Muppet movie so it's like <laughs> not quite to scale um they first of all like you know they fucked up in the beginning because they take away that beautiful stained glass opening Ooh, in the cartoon bad, which is like yeah incredible and like just in like well because i remember when i first heard about it as a project guillermo del toro was rumored to be directing mm -hmm. and i was like okay you know what this could be like a cool creepy like extremely creepy thing but instead of making it creepy they go on to just be like, oh, like they what makes the cartoon work is it's this like genuinely horrifying universe of body horror. Right. Yeah. But like the cartoon helps you process it really well. They still have the terrible body horror, which is even more apparent in the live action cartoon. But they're still trying to make them cuddly instead of like this absolutely cursed thing. Weird. But the funniest, well, there's like, so like their gay moment is that a man gets forced into a dress and then he realizes he likes it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Mm -hmm. um, and Josh Gad is the gay character. Yes. Unfortunately, Josh Gad is one of the best parts of the movie, which is like very <laughs> bad. Uh, but the actual funniest part of that movie is First of all, they had Stanley Tucci and they had him be an animated piano the entire time. Okay. Um, and like there's this incredible subplot because like Stanley Tucci and Audra McDonald um are two actors who when they were humans, like they were in love, but Audra McDonald gets turned into a wardrobe and the piano and like Stanley Tucci gets turned into a piano, so they're stuck on separate floors from each other. Oh. Which is, like, actually an incredible tragedy. But, of course, this movie doesn't explore that because it fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> but there's this insane part of the movie where, like, you know the big fight at the end where, like, all the villagers come and are, like, fighting the 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 people and all the accessories and everything? Yeah. Stanley Tucci's harpsichord shoots his keys at them, at the villagers. And then he gets transformed back into a man and all of his teeth are missing. No! It's so fucked! <laughs> I hate that! <laughs> and, like, then during the final scene where, like, Tale as Old as Time is playing and you see Josh Gad dancing with a man and, like, everyone's happy and at the ending, Stanley Tucci is in the background and you can tell that they obstinately refuse to put him in focus because he's got these big fake white teeth and he's playing the harpsichord and he's just like vamping with every inch of like his body and soul and it's one of the funniest things i've ever seen and then they cut to a furry joke 
this the movie like is a mess. It's a it's a mess. It's a complete mess. But it's one of those things where like I love to analyze a mess so much because it's weirdly easier to do. Yeah. But I watched it two times in a row and it just like absolutely broke my brain. <laughs> I need better hobbies. <laughs> God, it's hard to find them though. Yeah, but I mean, like, my main favorite hobby right now is watching wrestling. Oh, yeah, because you do a wrestling podcast. Yes, I do. I do. I make a WrestleSplania, and I love making it, and it's so much fun. Um, But I absolutely am aware that, like, I turned 30, and I decided to get into the activities of an 11-year-old boy. (laughs) I think that's fine. I mean, I... I'm getting into the activities of like a 17 year old boy. So like, I think that's, Oh, what are you? Um, I'm becoming a mixologist. Okay. Um, Yeah. 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 But only with whiskey drinks because I hate myself and I love that it tastes bad and I love (laughs) making myself suffer. I actually love whiskey, but it's just such a shitty drink to like make other people drink. Um, but tell me more about wrestling. Cause can I tell you the things I know about wrestling? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, everyone I know is into it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> whenever there's an event there's a lot of tweets about wrestling um i once dated someone who was very very into wrestling so i learned a lot um and i was prohibited from watching wrestling as a child so it was like the forbidden thing it was like one of the very few things that i wasn't allowed to watch that in the simpsons for a while but then i was sort of allowed to later um, i was banned from the simpsons too yeah it was like a cartoon but it was for adults so like well we tried to watch it when I was a kid and my parents were still together at the time. And my dad was like, oh, I heard about this show. I want to watch it. And we sit down to watch it. And it's an itchy and scratchy segment. Mm. And my older sister is horrified at how they chop up itchy or scratchy, whichever one is the cat. Um, and my sister, my older sister was so upset by it that my mom banned it from the house and my dad and I would like sneak watching it together. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's the irony of it is like the obvious joke of itchy and scratchy is like Looney Tunes is really violent. Yeah. Um, And, but that was like completely lost in my family's household. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. So, but so you were banned from wrestling. Yes. But I did play wrestling video games. um, Ooh. And I really like them because, well, like the Super, like the old ones, like the Super Nintendo and stuff were kind of neat. But then it really popped off with like the Nintendo 64 because there were like character creators and you could just make really fucked up guys like to just like covered in shit to like wrestle each other. Um, And then things I know about contemporary wrestling, um, uh, the Lantern Man. um, Bray Wyatt, that's his name. Oh, Bray Wyatt. I met him at an airport. Whoa, Does, he he uh, was born when uh, Toad um, hollered into a swamp and he emerged from a tree. Yeah. Um, and I know about him. I know about Shinsuke Nakamura because his theme song is like a fucking banger. And he does this cool move where he does the hang off the ropes. And I'm like, yeah, you are the best. Man. Yeah, he rocks. I love you. I love him. I um, love him. And I think those are all of the wrestlers I know. I know that what's her name did a wrestling recently, the MMA person. And in her doing that, I discovered that she was a Sandy Hook denialist. Yep. Yep. That's about right. That's Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Um, so 
I obviously, I like you, like we have a lot of overlapping friends in like very similar social circles. Uh, but I had never, you basically need a guide for it, right? Yeah. Uh, so I planned like a girl's brunch back in January and I invited my friend Kat and she was like, oh yeah, I'll come with. I haven't like, we all kind of got back from Christmas and like, we want to like see like, you know, our fellow friends and stuff. But after that I have to, what time is it? I'm going to our friend Tim's place to watch wrestling. And I was like, oh yeah, come. It's at this time. Can I come with you afterward? I haven't seen Tim in a while. Tim just got a dog. Um, and I've always kind of wanted to learn, like learn about wrestling. And if I don't mm-hmm. have anybody to watch it with, then I'm like totally lost on the story, yeah. which as I have since learned is a major misconception about wrestling because they telegraph everything and it's very easy, yeah. but it's still <laughs> fun to have a buddy. Um, so I go with to Tim's place and I'm watching, um, I was there to watch a fight between and for the people who listen to wrestling on this show they'll know exactly what i'm talking about a fight between um chris jericho and kenny omega kenny omega who i think you would like merit is like widely considered to be the best wrestler in the world Mm. he is a very very interesting character because he is openly queer refuses to sign to the wwe because he treasures um his creative control with his character uh, too much. So he wrestles full time in new Japan. Uh, He is part of like wrestling is like about five to 10 years behind everything in terms of like consciousness and social justice. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like 15 years from now, wrestling is going to have its DSA moment moment. And I'm going (laughs) to laugh really hard. Um, But uh, Kenny Omega is part of like an incredible queer storyline and a queer tag team called the golden lovers and like you would think oh no queer tag team in wrestling they're going to handle that really poorly it's a beautiful story but i go there i'm watching kenny omega versus chris jericho two like really incredible wrestlers chris jericho is like a fascinating like arc in terms of his career in wrestling because he's pretty old for a wrestler now Mm -hmm. he's in his 40s his body is aging in a way that like bodies age, but he's still incredible as a, as a presence and as a performer to watch. And it's like really fun to watch him. I love like watching him be a shitty Western brat in Japanese wrestling now, <laughs> but it's also like, he's sort of the troublesome duality that you have with a lot of wrestlers who are incredible performers and absolutely think the earth earth is flat like unfortunately that's a part of getting into this culture is analyzing and accepting like these people have really bad politics and if they're super bad you need to talk about them yeah but i just like i just basically i was seeing this wrestling i tweeted a couple things about it and i got such an overwhelming happy response and essentially welcome to the culture of wrestling Mm. on Twitter that I went home and I told my boyfriend about it and he was like you guys should do a podcast and I initially I was like no we don't there's so many podcasts (laughs) out there um why should I add another one to the fray and then I was like wait a minute because there had been an anecdote that had gone around in the past month about this uh, female journalist who kind of conduct- conducted a small experiment, which is that 
she reached out to a hundred women who were absolutely the top experts in their field for a comment about something in that field. And like maybe 10 of the women gave a comment. The rest of them were like, oh, no, I'm not an expert. I don't want to speak mm-hmm. too authoritatively on this. And she reached out to 10 men and all 10 men gave a comment. Of course. And I was like, you know what? Why am I applying to this this sort of like meekness to this field? Why am I afraid of being another person with a podcast? Everybody has this. Why shouldn't I have it? So I go to Kath and she kind of has a similar reaction of like, eh, there's so many wrestling podcasts. And then she was like, wait. We have a unique angle. We're both women. We're mm-hmm. both outwardly feminist. We're both leftists. Why don't we give this a shot? And basically, we've been doing, we've been releasing episodes since February 1st. And it's a really like wonderful, rewarding journey in being able to A, hang out with my friend every week, like you're doing with Woodland here. Um, but also just to like learn about this from a very specific angle. So like, I know a little bit more now, like you mentioned Shinsuke Nakamura and I could tell you a lot about him, but like, if you were to say to me, like, talk to me about, I don't know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I would not have a lot of information to give you. Mm -hmm. So it's really fun going in and like learning about one thing. And then I learned about a second thing and then I learned how they connect. So what we've been doing now is we talk a lot about Japanese wrestling. And so to have different parts of that map illuminated and to learn how they intersect has been just like such a wonderful time because it's like, that's how I love learning about this. And because you're presented with this whole ongoing consistent storyline and network and you're like, I can't do all of this. So to learn about it in this way has been super, super fun. But I do love Shinsuke. He's incredible. (laughs) His entrance is so cool. I got to go to a WrestleMania this year and right before he went up, we were pretty close to the stage where people were doing their entrances. So watching people set up for the entrances was really cool and pretty fun. But I see a bunch of drum kits getting rolled out. And somebody near us was like, oh my God, is fucking Kid Rock about to play? I'm going to go get a beer. And I was just like, no, I think Shinsuke is coming out. Um, And so they had 10 drum kits and like, I want to say 10 to 12 violinists out there playing his theme and we got to watch this insane entrance of his and it was just like <laughs> oh that's so, so cool fucking and cool. so beautiful it's just like what i've learned since too in starting this is like i didn't know i didn't understand why so many trans people i knew loved wrestling and i still can't speak for like an entire community blanketly because that's stupid to try to do for anyone, especially because I'm not trans. Um, But it's what I've, the common thread of kind of like why a lot of trans people love it is because yes, these are like big bodies, but they're doing incredible things with them. And they're doing things that you wouldn't expect a body that looks like any of you, any of their bodies to be able to do. And that makes a lot of sense to me, like thinking about a person who was like, I was kind of not born into the right body for what I want to be. And that's like really beautiful. 
Yeah. Wow. I've never heard, like heard about that or anything, but that's like, yeah. Huh. Cool. I mean, I, I read a, I read a couple essays from trans women on the topic and mm. I was like, oh my God, this is like a, such a wonderful thing to think about and to understand. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I just noticed that like a bunch of like queer, like queer people in general are really into wrestling, but like, I think that's also just like a significant part of my timeline. So like, <laughs> that's probably it too, but it does seem like there is, there's like all kinds of people that like, you know, I think a casual observer maybe wouldn't expect to be into it, which is kind of cool. No, absolutely. And like other things I've like, obviously, you know, there's going to be shitty, bad fans in mm-hmm. anything, but like, there's obviously like shitty, bad, like Trump loving as a, sh- as a shorthand fans in wrestling. But most wrestling fans are actually like the most left of any sort of sport fandom. Huh. I think it's because these guys, these performers they love have been, they watch the performers they love die these horrible, die a lot of like premature or flat out horrible deaths from an industry that refuses to let them unionize. Yeah. So of course you're going to identify with like this person who is playing a working class character who just needs medical insurance so they can fix a broken back. Right. Yeah. It's pretty like incredible. Yeah. God. Wow. I don't know. I remember watching the wrestler and being like, damn, like I never thought about how uh, this is an industry that just like churns through these bodies. Um, Oh, my God. It's like genuinely tragic. Although a wrestler I'm really into is in the wrestler for a couple of seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Big fan of his. Um, but like, like his, that guy who's in the wrestler, his tag team partner, this guy, Greg, who we really love, um, he like tore his arm. He has no income for the next couple months. Jesus. Yeah. And like, what's, it's really, it's, it's really tragic. Like he tore his arm partially at a match in California. And then he was like, oh, I'm fighting in Japan next week. So I'm going to purposely injure myself further so I can get free surgery there. Wow. It's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. It's like the like worst thing. So (laughs) it makes sense to me that fans of this and fans who like obsessively follow these people would, you know, want healthcare and would want more socialist ideals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like I mean, I'm not defending it as a whole. There's like some pretty horrible shitheads in it. I'm not naive. (laughs) (laughs) But it is fun. And I'm happy to tell anybody about wrestling at this point, if they're willing to listen, because if you don't want to hear about wrestling, like I probably have to be like the worst person to talk to right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm like always interested in hearing about things that people are into. And I'm kind of like on the peripheries of wrestling interest and so like i always like hearing more about it yeah definitely well uh do you want to move on to the only segment that we do on this show sure cool well that segment is called get wrecked okay it's a segment where we recommend things um it sounds really it sounds like wrestling um like get wrecked um, like I'm gonna <laughs> wreck. I'm I gonna like wreck Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, like recording like a, a a promo or whatever. 
Or uh, I can cut a promo. Cut a yeah. promo, yeah. <laughs> um, but in reality, it's just a simple, humble recommendation segment. Um, and uh, those recommendations can really be anything. We have the power in this world. We can sh- shape it um, to our wills. We are as gods here. Um, and I typically leave it to the guest as to whether or not you would like to go first or like me to go first. Um, I'll let you go first. Thank you All for right. hosting me. The least I can let you do is do that first. Yeah. Well, I actually do have one ready this time. Sometimes I'll forget that this is a segment and uh, <laughs> we'll have to come up with something. But I read a book recently by Tim Gunn and Kate Maloney called A Guide to Quality, Taste and Style. Ooh. And it's based, it's like a little old, it's maybe like 10 years old. Um, and some of the stuff is a little dated. Um, maybe some of it's a little like, you know, prescriptive, but it's really well written. And it's basically a book about like how to think about how you want to dress and how to think about like, and how to achieve that basically, and how to shop in a way that like will let you achieve those goals. Um, which is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because. Like a year ago, I conmarried my wardrobe. Like I got rid of everything that didn't spark joy. And um, then I never replaced anything. <laughs> so I've been wearing like H&M basics for like the last year, more or less. Um, God, and I uh, They're so good. I do like them, but it's like I get so bored. I want like, to try something else. And uh, so I've been trying I'm to- really boring. And like when I want to spruce up my wardrobe, I go to like gap or old navy and buy another shirt with blue stripes on it Uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's like my thing too and i've wanting i've been wanting to break out of that and this book is like really funny and also like he quotes like or he like cites all of these like philosophers and things like i guess he has like some kind of background in this stuff because he's like well as kierkegaard would say um you know camus would say that like you know existence is meaningless but i say that like and it's just like oh tim gunn i didn't know the side of you um i'm so glad that like a tim gunn exists and b that he kind of hasn't been bastardized like a lot of other like pop culture heroes like mm -hmm. there is something about him that is still so genuine and sweet i know i know i love it i love him he seems like a really wonderful man he seems so great, and I think he is great. Um, and I've, yeah, never heard anything to the contrary. Yeah, uh, me either. So, yeah. Um, that's my recommendation for this week. What do you want to recommend? Um, I usually, like, I already talked about my podcast, so I don't you can to recommend, talk about you that. Can, you can, re- that can be No, it. I already subtly did that. If that seems like something people would go for, so be it. The thing I would recommend is kind of reflective of a thing I've been doing for the past week. The thing I would recommend is if you are a woman or a femme person, talk to other women. Women should always talk. And not just women, people should always compare notes. Follow your gut. Talk to always talk to other people. If there is something that feels great, talk to people about it. If there is something that feels wrong, talk to people about it. 
I, that is the thing I am going to recommend. And it's probably a little more abstract, but like that talk to other people and always communicate with other people because you might be able to accomplish something great or take down something bad um, and do work that you're proud of. And I think in communicating, you can make not just your world better, but a lot of other people's worlds better. That's what I'd recommend. That's great. Um, I'd like to make a second recommendation, like springing off that one, which is that people get what they deserve. Um, Absolutely. Reap what you sow. And that goes in both directions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. We learned a lot about drugs. We learned a lot about um, about (laughs) sex ed, about wrestling. About furries? About furries. It was a wide ranging, (laughs) wild conversation. And do you want to tell people before we go where they can find you online? sure you can find me the best place as always is twitter uh my twitter is my name it's just rachel millman um if you are interested in my creative projects uh you can follow my podcast at wrestlesplania and i've also we didn't talk about it i've been making a documentary about gerrymandering in pennsylvania and if you want to check that out you can hit me up on my twitter um and if you want to you know chat with me one-on-one one-on-one uh my email is rachel e millman at gmail.com let's talk great yeah well thank you again so much and um, i hope you have a great day and a great weekend thanks you too bye bye woodland secrets is hosted by merrick k and produced and edited by me nick bravo Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co messages. You can help people find out about the show, please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.